in just a second. Before we do, I know we, we prayed a lot real quick, but uh, if you would just bow your heads and, and pray with me. Father God, I, I thank you for the opportunity, God, to, to just get into your word, Father. God, I thank you for the word. It is so enlightening, God. It truly guides our hearts. It guides our souls. Tonight, God, I pray that your spirit, Father, would just be real and active in our hearts, God, that it would, would open up our minds, Father, and that we could just perceive and know you in a, a greater and, and more tangible way, Father. God, I pray that every word would be submitted to your authority tonight, that you would speak to our hearts, God, that you would encourage us, exhort us, and that we would go out here changed, Father, having come in and received your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Back up a little bit, getting a little feedback. Good. All right. How many of you guys came from work straight here tonight, just by a show of hands? Pretty. A couple people. I'm going to ask you to have a lot of mercy and, and grace on me tonight. I, I literally, as Aaron can attest, just came from the hospital and changed in the bathroom um, when y'all were probably about the, the third song of worship. But it's actually a great segue into what we're going to talk to talk about tonight, and, and that is that life gets chaotic. Um, you know, when we, we follow Jesus, um, it, it definitely is a blessing. It, it definitely... Uh, it's the, the best life we could possibly ask for. But many times it, it can be chaotic. And, and the Lord allows disorder. And that, that's just the truth of things. You know, I, I remember my uh, first couple of experiences actually in the hospital. I, I started out in the ER. And I remember the first time they, they called a, a code blue. And for those of you who, who don't know the, the hospital, uh, code blue means either the heart's not beating or they're not breathing. And either one of those things are, are really bad things. I remember the first time that they called a code blue. And I had just started working there. I think it was about a weekend. I can actually vividly still see the, the patient's face. And they came in. Everybody was doing CPR. Nurses were running this way. The doctor was going that way. Orders were flying out left and right. And I just remember being so confused. I remember if, you, if you've ever had one of those places in your life where you, you just look and you don't know what to do. If you, Maybe you've been in public and you, you've come across somebody and they go down and you go, what, what do I do? I'm just lost. I remember having such a a lost feeling. There was almost a fear. And, and you know, as we've been talking about in our, our series, fear is a, a very real thing that can paralyze you. And I remember the first time I was in that room and they shut the door and this fear came over me. And I said, man, I see this person. They're not breathing. I, I don't know what to do. One of the nurses said, hey, it's your job. Get over there and start doing compression. So I got on the body and the whole time I was thinking in my mind, you know, what would Jesus do here? You know, what, what would Christ do? God, you know, grant me... Um, the confidence, grant me the, the peace to overcome the situation because I'm truly terrified. And, you know, I, as I thought that, I, I remember afterwards I kind of reflect on it. I said, what would Jesus do? He would have calmly walked over to the body, laid his hands on it, and probably went back to doing whatever he was doing, and, and all would have been well. But, you know, the thing about Jesus that I, that I really love and the thing that he, he really provides us in our life is that, that Jesus is simple. He, he, he takes chaotic situations he takes a lot of disorder and provides order. He provides peace. Um, you know, Albert Einstein said this. It's, I, I think it's, uh, it's really enlightening. He said there, there's five levels to intelligence. And I'm going to ask you to, to pick out which one you are here in a second. But he said the, uh, the first level is just being smart. He said if you're just smart, it's the first level of intelligence. Nothing wrong with that. He said the second level of intelligence is to be intelligent. Um, I, I definitely don't fall in that category. I, I think I'm a little bit below that. But the third level is what he calls is brilliant. And, and we know that. You, you've probably met somebody. I, I mean, I think of, of brilliant. I think of a guy like Josh Trevino. We, we got to hear him Sunday, man. His, his lesson was so encouraging. I, I know for those of you that were here, 
he really enjoyed it, but, but every time I talk to Josh, he's just, I mean, he's brilliant. He can take a, a very complex situation and, and really just simplify it. And then he goes one step for, further and he says the, the fourth level is genius. He says there's just some people that for whatever reason, they're thinking on a whole other level than any of us ever will or, or ever are capable of. But I love this. He said the fifth level of intelligence, the one that's, that's really the highest or the, the one that we should esteem to be after, is simple. He said that, that being a genius, being brilliant, being intelligent, being smart, sure, that's a great thing. But the most powerful thing is to be simple. If you can take something that's truly complex and just simplify it down. And so whenever I read about Jesus in the scriptures, I think that is a man. Yes, he's a genius. He's brilliant. He's smart. He's, he's all of those things. He's all knowing. We know that. He's omnipotent and he's omniscient and all those, those big words. But he is simple. You know, he walks into very complex situations. You know, his, his, his whole testimony was so chaotic. He had people trying to kill him, people that wanted him to be healed. I just think of chaos. As Ryan was just conveying a, a few seconds ago, you know, the multitudes would become so large and, and, and um, so tumultuous that, that Jesus would, would really, you know, almost be getting pushed back by the people. But he, but he always had this peace. He always had this confidence about him because he was always making complex things simple. We're going, to get, we're going to jump into the Word a little bit. I want to uh, uh, read a, uh, a, really a story probably most of you know out of the Gospel of Mark. So if you have your Bibles with me, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. I'm going to give you a, a second to get there, those of you that don't have the, uh, the iPhones. I see Rebecca laughing. She cheated. All right. So Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And just to give a little context, a little backstory, Jesus had been with the multitudes, as, as Ryan was talking about just a moment ago. He had just been doing amazing signs and wonders, uh, really healing the sick and, and providing insight unto the people. But it comes time for them to draw away, and, and Jesus says, we're going to go to the other side. And that's really where our story takes off at. So in verse 35, it says this, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they, take, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats, boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filled. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? That is powerful scripture. It really is. It's absolutely powerful scripture. It gives you insight into the, the man's heart that, that died and bled for us on the cross. But really it gives an insight to who we are. You know, in many situations and and many experiences that, that I've gone through, I, I reflect back and I think, man, I, I'm no different than the, the 12 apostles. I, I would have handled that the, the exact same way. Even having Jesus in the boat and having seen him do signs and wonders to the multitudes just literally hours before, I probably would have acted in the exact same way. Jesus, what are you doing asleep? We're in a hurricane here. It says that the water was literally coming over the side of the ship that the boat was filling up with water. And they're just overcome, and they say, what do, you, do you not care if we die? What are you doing, Lord? Wake up. And it's, it's always funny because they, they come to him as, as if they, they were the one directing him. I always find that funny when I, I read it throughout Scripture. 
Um, but it, truly, I think he was, he was always aware of the situation, even when he was sleeping. But it says that he had the power to control the wind and the storm. And in a very real way, um, I, I, he definitely had that, that you know, physical and, and spiritual power to um, tame the elements. But I, but I think in a, another level that's very applicable to us is that he has the power to tame the winds and storms of our life. And see, we have to respond in the same way that Scripture teaches us to respond, which is we have to have faith. See, Jesus said, how is it that you have no faith? And he's saying it from a place of context. He's not saying, well, I, I just met you. Why didn't you know I could calm a storm? Well, no, that would, that would be ridiculous. What he's saying is, you just saw me perform signs and miracles. I am here trying to reveal myself to you as the Son of God, but you're still not getting it. You're still missing the point. And see, this is what I, I love about, about chaos, is that it actually follows nature. See, it's always easier to make a mess than it is to clean it up, right? You've ever had anybody over at your house? So it's a lot easier to have the fun. You, you have dishes, all those things, but when it piles up, it's, it's a lot harder to clean up that mess. It's the same way if, you know, you go in, and I, I, a simple analogy, but it, it kind of gets the point across that, you know, we, we could go in, you could, you could scramble an egg, but it's a whole lot harder to unscramble an egg. Why? Because the, the natural state of things proceed to disorder. And I don't want to throw any of you off, and I, I definitely don't want to make any of you go to sleep, because if you're, you're definitely not a uh, science geek, this, this next analogy may not work, but just, just hang with me. The, this um, notion that nature and complexity proceeds towards disorder is actually a scientific law. Um, if you've ever heard the laws of thermodynamics, there's a specific law. It's called the law of entropy. And what it says is that things proceed, proceed from a natural place of order to disorder. And that's the second law. It's the second law of entropy. And it says as the universe increases, we actually proceed towards disorder. And he says, it says this. It says it's the natural tendency, tendency for it to go from a state of order to disorder. And so what that means to me is as much as we want things to go smoothly, it is truly natural for things to go unsmoothly. And there's a reason for that, and we're, we're going to get to it in just a second. But I, I love what science poses as the rationale or the answer to this question. Because sometimes science is that, you know, I, I'm sure if you, in Colby's class you might have addressed this, but sometimes science is, is just so young in, in, in what it is that it truly doesn't even realize what it's saying. And, and this is what, what the, the theorist poses, the, the answer to this, this riddle that is order proceeding to disorder. They say this, the only way to reverse the situation is by creative intervention. <laughs> that's, that's funny. I'm sorry, that is, that is funny. That, that is a law. That, that took somebody a lot of time to theorize. The only way to, to provide resolution to this situation is through creative intervention. Yeah. Duh. But, you know, for us, that, that has a lot of power. That has a lot of implication. Because for us, we know that our creative intervention is Jesus. Right? Our creative intervention is Jesus. This is what he said. He said this in John 16, 33. He said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. It's a very powerful scripture. It's, it's a very encouraging scripture. And, and it illustrates something that, that is so true and, and so real, and that is that in our life there, there will constantly, constantly be situations that, that we didn't foresee, um, that we didn't predict, that we, we truly didn't want to happen. You know, it's like you, 
you drive along and you get a flat tire, it kind of throws off your entire routine. Or even if you, you know, we were talking about medical um, and, and hospitals earlier, and, and those doctor office visits, man, they're incredibly expensive. And you know, every time that they come into your life, you're like, man, I don't want to go to the doctor. Even if it's something as simple as a physical, I don't want to go to the doctor. That messes up my routine. That messes up my order. And then there's more significant events like death of a family member, death of a loved one, that really provides disorder into your order, into your routine. You, you're, you're very heartbroken. You're very anguished in those times. But this is what Jesus says to us, that in me you have peace. And there, there's so many good scriptures about that. We know that you know, God is not a spirit of fear or confusion, but he's a spirit of peace, love, and sound mind. That means in our fear and confusion, the Lord will always come in. He will always show up if we remain in Christ. It's a, it's a fixed position. It's a position that we have to go to not just one moment, but every moment. I love this. It says this in Psalms 119 and verse 165. It says, Those who love your instruction have great peace and do not stumble. And see, that's, that's illustrating that whole thing, that we have peace and we have confidence. And we really have a, a sense of order in our lives as long as we are in Christ, as long as we are keeping his instructions, as long as we are following his word. You know, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's, it's, it's you know, one of the quintessential commandments, if you will, is just to love Christ. But it's funny because by loving him, we protect ourselves. And that's really the mark of a, a true Savior, a true, true Lord, that is that, you know, he has so much love for us that all we have to do is love him in return and everything's taken care of. And it really is that simple. You know, um, th- this is one verse that, that always gets me. And I, I hear thrown around a lot and I, I really believe it's, it's a fixed false mindset. I feel like it's, it's one of those verses that, that may get taken out of context. And so it can actually alter the way we perceive the word or perceive the, um, the Bible. And it says this in, in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. It says, God will never let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. He will always provide a way out so that we can endure. But see, a lot of times people miss the context of that scripture. And the last part's really key. He says, so that we can endure. See, a lot of people think that the the Lord will never put you in a a situation that you can't handle. That he'll never bring disorder into your life. That he'll never shake things up, so to speak. But that's not what the verse is saying. It's really scripturally inaccurate. What it's saying is that he will never tempt you in a manner of sin more than you can bear. He'll never tempt you beyond your means. He'll always provide a way out for temptation. But if you read throughout the scriptures, you know very well that that the Lord will always put us in situations that we can't handle. I mean, I can think of a few off the top of my head. You know, I think of the children of Israelites. We're we're doing a study Sunday, you know, talking about the the Israelites as they crossed over. What was one of their first big obstacles? They arrived at a place where in front of them was a wall of, of sea, was a wall of water. And behind them was the greatest army at that time in the world. Now, if that's not a situation that you can't handle, I don't know what is. On one end, we have a sea that we can't cross, that we can't swim across. And on the other hand, we have an army that is riding behind us with a, such a fury. How can, how can we overcome that? But see, that's the key is that they were put in a situation that they truly couldn't overcome because it all points back to the glory of the Lord. And that's the way we have to, to arm our mindsets. That's the way that we have to walk. And the way that we have to think is that in every situation, whether it's something I think I can bear or something I don't think I can bear, I have an opportunity to see the Lord exalted. And as Christians, that's really when, when we begin to make a difference. 
I can tell you countless stories. I met with a man today in the hospital, and oh, he was such a light. It was, it was really, for a 13-hour day, um, it, it was very much, um, you know, the, the light of my day. I, I met this man, and he was about 65, um, very much a Christian. That, that was one of the first things that, that hit my mind, was that this man loved the Lord. I, I didn't even have to, uh, eventually I would see his Bible that was riddled with notes and and you could see he had a true love for the scriptures, but before I ever saw that, it was just the way he talked to me and the other nurse. I'm coming in, getting, giving him shots, sticking him places that I, I know hurt. And he, he had such a peace about him. He had such a love about him. And, you know, I, I talked to him more and more, and the man had, had, had nearly just lost his life. He had what we call a trans-ischemic attack, which, which is just a mini-stroke. But it means that his heart was actually pumping out clots. So his heart, his body was actually attacking him. I'm going to talk about something you can't handle. When your own body is attacking you, that's something that you can't handle. We don't have control over it. So his heart's pumping out clots. And this remarkable thing happens. that These clots are, are traveling up through his veins. And I, I'm sorry, too, if, if you guys aren't into the medical stuff like me. Please don't let me crush you guys out. Kobe, I'll just talk to you because I know you get it. But, uh, you know, he, he's pumping out these, these clots. And this, this really cool thing happens. The clot actually gets stuck in his eye. And they start getting stuck and so much so that it begins to alter his vision. So that's what he comes in for. And it saves his life. So he had those clots traveled past his eyes. But it got lodged up here. And that's a really bad thing. And that means that the brain's not getting oxygen. But for this guy, he was literally at a, a place of, of disorder. He was at a place of chaos. And, and, and he had so much more to his situation. I could tell you, he, told me his, he had just buried his mom a week earlier. I could provide so much backstory to this. I, I talked to him for... For almost an hour, and I just said, God, man, you sound like Job. There's a lot of things going on in your life that man, I don't know if I can handle. But he had such this, this peace about him. He said, man, in this life or the next, I know that I'm going to be with the Lord. I have nothing to worry about. And he would just sit, and he was so jovial and loving. But it struck me, as Christians, that's the opportunity that we have every single day to, to make an impact, to impact people's lives, is when they see that in our chaos... We give God the glory. You know, that's a very simple verse that's used a lot of uh, times. It's out of Matthew 5 and 16. I think Josh might have even used it this past weekend. But it says, let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, it's not about us. And I know we've, we've done so many series on that, but it truly is. It's not about us. Worship's not about us. We were made in the image of God so that we can provide worship and, and lift his name on high. But really nothing is about us. It's, I mean, I don't mean to say that harshly. Uh, we, we live a very blessed life in the Lord, and we, we have a very loving Lord, a very loving Savior. He takes care of us, and He provides for us. But what He wants most out of us is to exalt Him. That's truly when it says that He's searching the world for His true worshipers that will worship Him in spirit and truth. He's searching for people that will lift His name on high, not just in a song, not just in a service, but in every day, that we would walk it out every single day of our life. And I can promise you when you do, it's powerful. You know, I watched, uh, I watched your, your testimony, Colby, the other night. And uh, it was on YouTube. I was just kind of looking through it. I, I don't even know how I got there, to be honest. But uh, I was watching it, and you, you talked about that, that guy that you met whenever you were working as an intern or, or maybe just working as a nurse. I, I can't remember. Yeah, a nursing student. And he met this guy that he was just different. And he was, he was so different than anybody Colby had ever met. And he actually said in his testimony that he was the first real Christian that he had ever met. It had a profound impact on his life. He's sitting here because of that guy. In a very true, real sense. And, and I think, you know, when I, I see all of you, I, I know that you love the Lord or you wouldn't be here tonight. I can really make that statement. It's a Wednesday night. 
You don't have to come and fill a pew. There's many people that would be doing different things. But, but if you weren't here, you, you, it, because you are here, I, I can tell that you have a, a heart for the Lord. And so what we need to realize is that every situation of every day, every waking moment can lift the, the Lord's name on high. And that is truly what life is about. It is about Jesus being exalted. You know, um, let me see. I, I really don't, I don't want to tarry too long here. I really want to um, spend some time praying and, and worship. Let me see if I've got any. Um, you know, it, it says this. You know, we'll, we'll take just a second to look at this and we'll, we'll kind of wrap up with this. Um, the, another add-in to the, the law, it says that um, I, I found really interesting. It says the, the, revo- the result of this law of thermodynamics, this, this law of entropy and disorder, it says this, is if you want to create something, you must expand energy to the point of disorder to generate the order that you create. That's a little bit wordy, but what it's saying is that, that as you achieve peace, as you achieve order in your life, that there's actually a byproduct called disorder. And see, that's the, the cool thing when we apply it to our, our life as Christians. It says this, that as we walk with Christ, there's going to be things that we have to lay down. There's going to be things that we have to set to the side. That's just the, the, the portion of walking with Christ. You know, um, salvation didn't, didn't cost us anything. Jesus, he paid for that. He paid for that with his blood, and he paid for that with his life. But walking with Christ will always cost you something. It, it really will. And if you have a mindset that you go into it that you think, oh man, this is, this is great, I'm in Christ, you can, you can very much be deceived. I'm not telling, that, telling you that uh, it's the hardest thing you will do. You know, Jesus in his own word said, you know, my, my yoke is light, my burden is light. He says, all of you who, you know, I'm, I'm messing up the words, but you who are a heavy burden, come and I will give you rest. He says, my yoke is light. And, you know, when I, I think about that, you know, I think specifically of my life and the, the things that I've had to lay down. And I, I can tell you this, I have never, I have never regretted laying something down for the Lord. But I have always, always regretted what I haven't laid down for the Lord. And it always comes back and I say, man, if I would have just crucified that, that bit of flesh, if I would have just laid that down a month earlier, it would have profoundly changed my walk. I'd be walking closer to Christ in this moment. But see, we, we have the, this flesh that, that works against us, and it, it makes it very difficult for us to lay things down. But truly, what that does is it just creates disorder in our life. It just creates a lack of peace. And what this law says, um, it's a little bit before its time in the, the sense of science, but what this law says is as we walk, we will have to lay things down to arrive at a place of order. Actually, you know what? There's a scripture coming to mind that really didn't have it tonight. Let's go over it real quick. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews 12. Let you guys get there real quick. We don't really know who that, just some, some context on Hebrews. Um, we don't really know who wrote it. A lot of people um, think it was Paul just by the, by the writing style, but it is a powerful book. I, I will tell you that much. The 11th chapter of Hebrews, a, a lot of people refer to it as the faith chapter. If, uh, if you haven't read that through its entirety, I, w- I would really challenge you to go home and read that tonight because I can, I can promise you it'll, it'll very much... Uh, allow you to, to walk with a, a greater sense of authority. But what I want to focus to is in the context of, of just having read the faith chapter. I want to take just a, um, a snippet from, from chapter 12. So we've we got to put ourselves in that mindset. We just got through reading the, reading the faith chapter where we learned that 
you know, the, the thing, that faith is the, uh, the, the hope, that it's the evidence of things unseen, all, all that good stuff. But, but coming into 12, this is, is where we start. It says in, in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so is easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I love that, that bit of Scripture because it's coming off of faith. It's saying if you have faith, if you believe in Jesus, and then it starts providing some context to that. It starts providing um, really, really a way to, to walk that out. It provides the, um, the, the you know, the, um, looking for a word here, reality of it, I guess you could say. But, but I love that. It says that let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You know, I, I want to, to challenge you very much tonight. You know, there's a, there's a thing that we're, we're always in, and I'll, I'll close with this. There's a thing that every person, um, every Christian very much is in, and it's called transition. R- regardless of your phase in life, regardless of your age in life, you will always be in a transition. You know, for me, transitioning from from college into the real world into a real career um, for, for you it may be very different but I can promise you in some way or another you're transitioning because we're always moving forward and as we move forward we create momentum but the thing about transition is is this is that we can very much um, become entangled by sin we can very much become entangled by things that still are peace so what I want to challenge you with tonight, and really what I want to leave you with is this, that as you transition in your life, as you move along, and you say this, and I know, I know I'm not the only one that said this, says this, but you say this, God, I'm not really sure what to do right now. I, I really don't know what to do. I don't know what to do in this season. I don't know what to do on this business decision. I don't know what to do in regards to my kids, in regards to my family, in regards to my job, school, whatever your circumstance is. I want you to, to begin to use a, a measure of peace. Because see, the Lord says that we don't operate in fear or confusion, but in peace, love, and sound mind. So what we can be promised is, is that as we walk out in Christ, He will provide peace. And actually, how we'll know that we're walking in the Lord will be by measure of peace. It'll kind of be our north, it'll be our compass, that as we begin to direct our steps, we ask ourselves, man, what do I do in this situation? I'm really unsure. I have disorder. The peace of the Lord will be the order. I wrote this down and it says this, and it's a good place to, to end, and I'll throw out one more scripture. It says, the peace of God can only be offered by God. And that's the truth. That's the thing that we all seek after in life. We seek after peace. And the peace of God can only be after, offered by God. We'll close with the scripture. Isaiah 54.10 says this, Though the mountains may be shaken and the hills may be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. I want to tell you very much tonight that the Lord loves each and every one of you. He loves you with a very much supernatural heart. He loves us in a way that that we could truly never love ourselves. And because He loves you, He wants you to have peace in your life. He wants you to have a sense of order. And all you have to do is begin to cast your burdens, begin to to cast your fears, your doubts, your insecurities, whatever character that you're dealing with, begin to cast it on the Lord because whenever we cast those things on the Lord, a a very true thing happens. 
You know, scientists, they kind of sum it up as, as natural laws, but, but divine law always rules natural law. So divine law says that as, as, as we have disorder in our life, the Lord provides order. So we're going to do real quick. We can, if, if y'all can lower the lights, we spend a little time praying. I know Kelly's probably got a couple of songs. You know, no, Paul said this. He said, be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything. Offer supplication for everything. So I want you to do as, as, as he prays, as we worship, as we sing, I want you to just begin to, to think on those areas in your life that, that have a bit of confusion, that have a bit of fear, that you're just not sure what to do. And truthfully, if you're honest with yourself, every single person here tonight has those areas. Even if you're walking completely in the Lord, you're, you're in a season of transition. And he's taking you to a new place. As Christians, we're always crossing over. We're always moving forward. So if you would, let's just stand. Everybody stand with me. I'm going to pray, and then, and then Kelly can lead us out in, in worship. I'm going to very much encourage you to. We, we've been doing this. I think it's, it's very effective. If you want to, come and, and line the, the altar. Um, take a second to just get intimate with the Lord. Just think on Him and, and, and talk to Him. And as Sam always says, you know, this is an altar of sacrifice. This is a place where we lay down ourselves. So I just want to encourage you all to spend the rest of this moment here. We're going to go into Angelata's in a couple minutes. But take this moment, take this time to just find the Lord. Father God, we are so thankful just to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ tonight, God. It is so refreshing, God, to be around hearts that burn for you. God, I pray in this body that you would continue to pour out your spirit on us, Father. God, even when we miss you, God, even when we go to the, the right or to the left, God, when you were going straight, I pray that you would restore us, Father, that this would always be a place, God, that, that these would always be people that in, your, in our hearts, God, that we reflect you, Father. God, right now, I, I pray as we, we lift our hearts, as we lift our voices, as we li- lift our hands, God, that you would be, become real in our hearts, God that you would be more tangible, Father, that we would have a greater realization of what you were doing, God, and who you are, Father. God, I pray that every insecurity, every doubt, every fear would be laid down tonight, God, that we wouldn't take these things with us, God, that we would leave them here, God, that we would cast them upon your shoulders, God, knowing, God, that, that you hear us, Father, that your eyes are upon us, God, that your ears are attentive to our cries. So right now, God, we approach you, Father, in humility, God, praising you and asking God that you would just make yourself real in our hearts. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.